Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. And I've got my man, Scott Myslinski. Did I get that right, my man? You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just practicing off air. That's why. But uh, yeah, man, um, I've got Scott on today and he is an incredible guest. And we're going to have a really, really good conversation. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Scott, in terms yep. of, you know, who you are, what you're about, and just give the audience you know, a bit of a, a bit of an insight into, into who you are basically, mate. Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Scott. Um, I'm the host of a podcast called the carnivore cast. Um, that has been running for about four years, had over 200 episodes. I put out one episode a week. Um, and it's all about, um, animal based diets, um, and people around the carnivore and keto communities. Um, so I've had a lot of ghosts, great guests, uh, Martin was a guest yesterday, um, which will be out soon. Um, but I've had Dr. Sean Baker on several times. Um, I've had Rob Wolf. I've had a lot of, um, I guess, quote unquote, famous people in the carnivore and keto spaces, um, researchers, doctors, as well as uh, a lot of N equals one case studies of folks who have overcome different conditions um, and chronic issues such as Everything from major depression to PCOS to arthritis um, to crippling anxiety um, with carnivore or ketogenic style diets. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll delve deeper into that because I think it's a lot of the in, uh, audience are definitely interested in the kind of stuff you were talking about, right, when it comes to overall health and basically optimizing your body with with um the right nourishment really right so yeah. if we could just take a step back a little bit in terms of your background because i know you said you were a, a top yeah. level lightweight rower and stuff like that just yeah. curious to know a bit more about your background you know where where you're from and and uh any kind of insights you've got for us there man yeah yeah so I, i'm 30 years old so i've been around the block a bit um but i um yeah so i i grew up um playing lots of sports and then I was a bit of a chubby kid until I found um, rowing in, in middle school, actually in eighth grade, um, and then rowed all the way through, um, was recruited for, for college or university, whatever you want to call it, and then um, rowed in college as well um, as a lightweight rower um, for the University of Pennsylvania. And um, for folks who aren't familiar, lightweight rowing has, has a weight cap of 150 pounds, um, or the boat average needs to be 155 pounds. Um, and so it involves some pretty drastic weight cutting. Uh, folks might, may have heard of similar weight cutting in sports like wrestling or, or um, various martial arts. And so rowing has that as well, but it's even less regulated than in those sports. Um, so folks do some pretty dangerous stuff. Um, you know, at times we were gaining and losing 20 pounds in a week um, and then putting it all back on racing and then binging and then over the course of the week, getting it off. Obviously, a lot of that's water, um, but still it involves some pretty drastic things like, you know, sauna suits and, and all that. Um, and yeah, coming out of college, <clears throat> I so in college, I was rowing, you know, four to six hours a day every day, all year round. It's not really a, a seasonal sport. It's, you have to stay in shape all the time. So I rode every summer competitively. I rode in the fall. The main racing season is in the spring. And then in the winter, you're, you're on the rowing machines um, in the dungeon, killing yourself. Um, and so that took a lot of harsh tolls on my body. Um, I think, you know, the, from a 
from a joint integrity aspect, it's a lot of overuse injuries. So one doctor described it to me as moving pianos around corners because you're twisting sideways out of the boat. And then all the force is going through from your legs, which push on a seat um, through your back to the oar. Um, so your back is kind of twisting over and over again under a pretty heavy load continuously and combine that with malnutrition from, from the dieting and always having to be lightweight. It's kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, so I had a host of back issues, chronic back injuries, and I started taking, um, naproxen, um, which is, uh, an NSAID, um, anti-inflammatory, um, I just was taking the amount on the bottle, but I was taking it every single day, um, twice a day for, for three years. So that really took its toll on both my hormonal health, as well as my, um, GI health, um, my, my digestion. And so, you know, I had a lot of those problems coming out of, out of college and then straight out of college, I went from four to six hours of rowing a day and no strength training to um, working 90 to 100 hours a week in a management consulting job, traveling all the time, very high stress, eating on the road, eating, you know, just whatever was available. And so I was trying to stay somewhat healthy. So um, eventually I adopted kind of a paleo style diet. Um, sorry, I'll pause. Do you have a question? No, 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 no. You continue, What's going on? No, no, no. <laughs> so I adopted, so, so I, I slowly evolved from kind of a paleo style diet um, just trying to find something to keep myself somewhat healthy with the fact that my activity was going so much lower and I had all this stress from work. And so gradually over time, this was like 2014, um, I went from paleo to um, a more uh, primal style diet. Mark Sisson was very popular at the time. And then um, something I would call keto, but keto wasn't really a thing back then, at least in the mainstream. Uh, mm -hmm. But I wasn't really restricting protein. I was just eating um, basically a lot of meat, some nuts, some avocados, um, some some fat sources, and then um, some some vegetables, mostly low sugar vegetables. And um, I was doing that for a while and I was feeling okay. I was still very high stress, um, intermittent fasting on top of it, which we can talk about, but I think that was actually bad for me at the time. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I was um, at, at around 2016 is when I heard um, Amber O'Hearn on a podcast called the Two Keto Dudes podcast. Um, talking about how a lot of the, the evidence um, regarding plants and vegetables being beneficial for us um, is the same type of epidemiological research that uh, vilifies, you know, saturated fat, cholesterol, um, which a lot of even in the mainstream is being kind of coming out now that fat was demonized um unjustifiably demonized. And so I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I already knew that the the evidence and epidemiological research, which is basically long studies where they just ask people what they ate and try to infer what that caused. Uh, but there's a lot of problems with that research. There's something called healthy user bias, where healthier people generally follow certain types of diets, even though you don't take into account all the other healthy things they do, like not smoking, not drinking, et cetera. Um, so that type of research, I knew that was bad. And I knew that's what vilified 
fat and, and cholesterol. And to hear that that same type of research is what told us that plants are good. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then she was sharing how a lot of plants can have negative effects, how um, plants evolutionarily um, evolved to have some of these defense mechanisms, things like oxalates and phylates um, and things that we now call phytonutrients, but which are really phytochemicals, um, which can be disruptive to our gut and our, and our immune system. I was like, wow, this is interesting. I'm already eating probably a pretty high protein, high meat keto diet. Why don't I just try eating only meat? And this was around the time that Sean Baker actually started experimenting with a carnivore diet. And I was following him on Twitter and he was doing some crazy things with like eating 24 eggs at one time and all this weird stuff. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll give this a shot, you know, eat as much meat as I want and have the body of my dreams or whatever. Um, and so I started doing it and I've made a lot of mistakes actually, because there aren't a lot, there weren't a lot of the great resources that are out now about how to do a carnivore diet properly. Things like eating too much, um, rendered fat, kind of the fat that, that comes off your meat or comes off your, your ground beef or mince, you may call it. Um, and then, you know, I was excessively fasting. Um, and so I, I had some issues, uh, even with starting it, but even despite all that, I noticed fantastic results. Uh, my energy improved a lot. My sleep improved, my digestion improved, my recovery in the gym improved. Uh, my body comp composition started improving. I was losing fat. I was gaining muscle, all these great things. Um, eventually I found I didn't need caffeine at all anymore, which was pretty awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was great. And so after doing that for a year and kind of stumbling through it and listening to podcasts and trying to find answers on the internet, um, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, encouraged me to start my own podcast. And I said, oh no, you know, everyone out there I would want to have on is already on these other podcasts, like Dr. Anthony Gustin's keto answers and things like that. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll do a couple episodes. Um, I had a very good friend at the time, um, who had a long running fitness podcast. His name's Lawrence Neal. Um, and he, he had a high intensity training podcast. And so I got some tips from him about how to start a podcast really, um, low budget and, and low investment from a time perspective and kind of Tim Ferriss minimalist approach. And so I did uh, three episodes and uh, I had a great time with it. And so I just kept doing more and more and it's grown a lot. It's like I said, it's been over four years now um, and uh, well over 200 episodes, over 2 million downloads. Um, so it's just been a blast and, uh, you know, it's something I do every week now. I don't try to make a, a living off of it. <laughs> it I have oh, yeah. a full-time job. Um, but it's, it's, uh, something I love doing, you know, hearing some of the success stories and hearing how the podcast has helped people is just really, uh, meaningful to me. And it's a great way to learn myself and stay connected. Dude. And that's one of the reasons, man, why I reached out to you, because I can tell how passionate you are just genuinely about helping people, right? Just having that impact, Thanks. sharing your journey, getting people on to share their journey and obviously getting the experts on because what you said then really stood out in terms of like the epide um, epidemiology, sorry, the uh, observational studies, right? So now I wanted to ask you on this in terms of pushback, right? Because I still sometimes have a battle with some clients, right? In terms of 
everything's going well, right? I said this to Sean Baker, actually. Like, I've had clients reverse their diabetes, you know, uh, reverse hypothyroidism, all these kind of things, simply from, you know, changing their lifestyle and, and nourishing their body more and mainly eating more uh, good quality animal-based foods and higher protein and everything else. And then what will happen is everything's going well. Like you said, with yourself, body composition's changed. They're feeling better than they ever have. You know, libido's through the roof, energy levels off the charts. You know, we can keep going down the list. And then they'll go to the doctors and the doctor will say, oh, your cholesterol's high. Um, you need to, and then boom, before you know it, then they're asking me about plant-based diet and stuff like that, right? So I've had like, I've had this challenge quite a few times. Just curious to know how you deal with some of the, some of the pushback you may get. And, and, and if you could give us any examples of, well, not necessarily any specific examples, but anything that you've really found challenging along this journey with this message. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, um, I'm not in the same position where I'm like trying to help people help convince clients that it, they're okay doing this of course, or helping yeah. convince other people that they have to do this. Um, so oftentimes the pushback I've faced is just like people saying, you know, Oh, isn't this diet terrible for you or things like that. When, um, you know, I'm talking to colleagues or friends or people outside the community who don't really understand it. And, um, you know, I, I, I encourage everyone who's, who's talking to anyone else about their diet to just keep it very, um, impersonal. <laughs> Don't try to proselytize or push your diet on other people, unless obviously, um, that person is hiring you <laughs> to help you with your diet. Um, but if it's just a friend asking you about your diet or why you eat a certain way, um, I like to feed them breadcrumbs. So kind of say, oh, you know, I eat a lot of meat cause, um, I enjoy it. And they're like, oh, interesting. And then they're like, oh, that's great. And maybe they can bond with you over that. And if then if they want to learn more, they're like, oh, but aren't you worried about like the cholesterol aspect and all that? And I'm like, yeah, well, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually not too concerned about it because there's some interesting research showing that uh, cholesterol can be easily manipulated with with different foods. And what you see on one individual blood test may not necessarily be indicative of your long-term health. And there's also a lot of very interesting research about um, certain types of cholesterol, total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol being beneficial when they're higher um, and actually um, correlating with longer more uh, life outcomes. And so, you know, just, but it takes a while for me to get to that. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to just go and yeah. scream that at someone. On the I agree. Screen. I agree. It is drip yeah. feeding them, right? Drip feeding yeah, them. Yeah, sure. exactly. And the bottom line is, right, um, you know, actions speak louder than words, right? Because people generally, when they see you, they see you vibrant, they see that you're thriving. And then generally people want to know more, you know what I mean? And then it's a case of you just slowly communicating that to them. Uh, but yeah, what I was getting at is I didn't necessarily, I haven't really had any any of my uh, clients on a strict carnival diet, but just by simply eating more protein and having more, you know, maybe um, having a few more eggs, right, to get the nutrients yeah. in, they've had like yeah. push back off that you know what i mean um but yeah obviously yeah. in terms of just tapping a, a little bit deeper into that as well in terms of like the benefits you've had because i know you mentioned about uh the benefits you've had and you mentioned literally everything changed right you, you know everything literally same as me and just curious to know how that kind of transition was for you and how that's kind of been how that benefits you now like in terms of the yeah. way you, the way you live and the way you eat yeah so um the transition was was great. I think I found a really good path with it, getting into carnivore and getting into eating those foods. And then, uh, you know, over time, as I learned more about um, fat sources and um, different aspects of the diet around, you know, being able to better align my macronutrients, 
um, understanding that fasting um, for someone with kind of my high stress phenotype and uh, I don't, I don't know if that's the right word phenotype, but kind of yeah. my high stress um, personality um, fasting kind of exacerbates that. And especially when I'm working in a high stress environment, I don't want to add to that stress with fasting. Um, so I've, I found different things that work better for me. Um, and then including organ meats was a big game changer um, and a lot of things like that. And then over time, so I followed the carnivore diet very strictly for three years from 2016 to 2019. And towards the end of it, I was getting to the point where I was having a really hard time maintaining my weight, actually. Um, I was losing weight um, and I needed about 3,500 to 4,000 calories just to maintain uh, my my weight at the time. And um, I found despite all my efforts of, of working with experts and, and trying different enzymes and things like that, I wasn't able to consistently digest more than 150 grams of fat on per day. Uh, I could do it for a few days, but then eventually it would catch up with me and I would get really bad GI system symptoms, bloating, um, a lot of belching in the middle of the night, even far away from meals. Um, and so, and I tried everything. I tried different fat sources. I tried different meal timings. And so what that means, if you do the math, 150 grams of fat, I think that's like 1400 calories. So that would mean I would have to have 2000 to 2500 calories of protein, which is a lot of protein um, and a very, lot. very metabolically expensive. Um, and also, you know, it has a lot of side effects you know, it makes you pee all the time, makes you really hot. Um, it's pretty uncomfortable. So um, I I found that I needed to reintroduce carbohydrates, or at least that seemed like the path of least resistance for me to be able to find a way to, to maintain my weight without having to either eat so much protein or have the um, GI symptoms from having higher fat. And so I started following um, kind of an adopted a version of the Whole30 um, diet. They have a reintro food reintroduction um, section of the diet where basically every uh, three or four days you pick one food, not a food group, but a food like a banana. And you say, I'm going to have one banana a day for three days. And I'm going to write down how it makes me feel, how satiated I am, um, how it affects my digestion and um, anything else. And then after the three days, you return to the baseline diet. And then you decide whether to include that food going forward or not. And so through that, I was able to slowly reintroduce a lot of foods, different fruits, uh, Greek yogurt, um, some carb sources such as white rice. And uh, over time, I, I've been able to include a lot more foods um, and I tolerate them much better than I did um, before the carnivore diet. And that's partly becoming more aware, I think, of the foods that I do well with and don't do well with and doing this food reintroduction. I think the carnivore is actually a really excellent elimination diet in a sense. Um, and then it also may have helped me with some of my, my gut issues, just, just being on, uh, a carnivore diet for, for a prolonged period of time. But, um, I'm not dogmatic at all about my own diet or other people's diets. So although, you know, I don't eat carnivore, um, I still host the carnivore cast and the podcast is never meant to be 
you know, what is Scott eating today? Mm. <laughs> it's about yeah, yeah. Um, the guests, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think I've learned a lot from the carnivore diet. I think it's a fantastic tool. I think there are aspects of it that people can all adopt to improve their diets. Uh, but that's kind of been my evolution with it. Mm, yeah, awesome, man. I'd like to, speaking of tools as well, because I would like to tap into, I'd like to make this, you know, like nutrition-based mainly, right? And just because your experience is very, very interesting. <clears throat> and you mentioned about fasting as well, right? And I think it's an important point you made where someone like myself as well, when I'm more stressed and stuff, unless I'm getting sufficient calories into that window, because I eat in like, let's say like an eight hour window, six to eight hour window every day. So I don't eat in the mornings. I'll break my fast about midday and it works for me. But if I don't get enough calories in within that window, then it will have a knock on effect. Right. And obviously if you're more stressed, you kind of add in fuel to the fire. So this is like almost like a very, almost popular thing now, right? Fasting and intermittent fasting. Um, you said about that, about that potentially being a problem for someone like yourself. So, how would you communicate that to the audience, right? In terms of like, if someone, because yeah. a lot of people, I always say to my clients, you know, it's a tool you can use, right? It's a great tool yeah. to have in the toolbox, but for, I can, you know, I can count on one hand, like the amount of people that I'd actually recommend that to, you know, yeah. unless it's later down the line and they've really built a healthy relationship with food yeah. and eating mainly whole food, you know? Yeah. I think you, you captured it perfectly. I think having, having that baseline of a healthy relationship with food, um, and also, you know, it may be something that's that's better when you're already at a maintenance level mm-hmm. um, and, and not in a severe deficit. Uh, the problem I see is I get a lot of people who reach out to me um, and it, it's both women and men, but more so women um, who are, you know, exercising six, seven days a week, doing CrossFit workouts, doing 20,000 steps or something like it on top of it. Um, working multiple jobs in an extreme calorie deficit, doing carnivore, and then doing multiple fasts a week, some more than 24 hours. And so what you have to understand is, well, all of those things may be beneficial to a point. They're all stressors. And when you're stacking stressors on top of each other, um, your cup is overflowing and you just have so much cortisol um, that your body can't really get in a physiological state to be able to um, make improvements. Um, I think fat loss, the way I like to think about it is you want to sneak up on fat loss. <laughs> you want to make barely perceptible changes that get you the results you need. Um, ideally, in a fat loss diet, you know you would not be hungry most for most of it. Um, you'd be eating well, eating you know, fairly large, satisfying, nutritious meals. And, um, you know, if fasting is a part of that for some people, that's fantastic. Um, But I think the problem is a lot of people force fasting and think of fasting as like a a badge of honor, where the longer I fast, the better I am. And and I'm better than you because I can do a 48 hour fast. Um, and it, it doesn't really work that way. You know, you're making life harder for yourself and you may be, um, hamstringing your progress, um, by fasting excessively, but I think there are scenarios where it can work really well for people. I think generally my observation is it tends to on average work better in men than women. Um, you know, it tends to work better with smaller calorie deficits than larger ones. Um, and it's something that can work really well if, you know, it fits your lifestyle too. You know, if you have a healthy relationship with food and you don't have a desire for breakfast and you're used to eating, you know, lunch and dinner, 
and that just makes life a lot easier for you and it's lowering your stress by doing it, then that's fantastic. But the problem I see is in a lot of cases, people are doing it just because they think it's good and it's adding stress to their lives. You just summed me up then. That's exactly why I do it, my man. You know what I mean? Because it makes my, it complements my lifestyle. It makes my life easier. I can cook two meals instead of one. I know I'm more productive in a fasted state. You know what I mean as well? I just feel a bit sharper and obviously, you know, healthy relationship with food as well. You nailed that one. But yeah, adding fuel to the fire, right, mate? Because this is a big thing. I'm so glad you touched on this, right? Because I know a lot of people can relate to this listening. It's like going all out with the training, you know, balls to wall, getting after it. And then obviously adding fuel to the fire by trying to throw in something like fasting or, but we talked about this yesterday, right? And it is a case of what you said was summed it up perfectly in terms of just adding foods that you're missing out on. When you start nourishing your body more and you start taking care of your body, like someone you actually care for, right? And as, as woo-woo as that sounds, and you start eating more whole foods, naturally those foods keep you more satiated, right? So you're having, you know, more meat, more fruit, you know, vegetables, if you can even, if you can tolerate them and basically, you know, more volume, more protein, keep you more satiated, it makes your metabolism work harder and it gets you in tune with those natural signals then, right? And that's what, that's our journey as well, right, man? It's like, we've had to go through our own process of, you yeah. know, you know, struggles or whatever. And then yeah. actually just realizing, you know what, if I actually strip everything back and just try and eat more real food, you know, in other words, like you just said then, banana, right? Single ingredient food, right? You know, steak, beef, right? Just single ingredient foods more often and things start to change, right? But like we said yesterday, it's the ultra processed foods, right? And it's also the stress. Obviously, we've got more stress, you know, stresses than ever before, right? Technology is great. We're here now, but people are just constantly bombarded now, right? On their phones with stimulus, social media, emails, you know, then they've got, they might have kids. They might have a high stress job where they're working 60 hours a week. You know what I mean? So it's, it's actually being able to take it, take a different approach for most people, right? Yeah. I think you, you talked really well yesterday about, um, you know, getting away from restriction and kind of trying to create abundance with the diet and adding things to it. And I think you can kind of take that approach to other aspects of your life too. Um, you know, how can you add things that make your life easier and actually enhance your results? So getting more sleep, lowering your stress through um, adopting some positive habits around mindfulness or spending more time with friends or loved ones or calling people you care about or journaling or think whatever it is, a hobby, like playing, playing an instrument, whatever helps you um, de-stress, try adding more of those things rather than I'm going to take away hours that I'm eating. I'm going to pound myself into the ground with more exercise. I'm going to sleep less. Um, you're making your own life harder and you're making it very unsustainable as well. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, yeah, what does it look like for you now, then, Scott? In terms of your lifestyle, there, in terms of what you do to take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, what does that look like to you? Like, what are the non-negotiables for Scott? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, for me, you know, I I suffer with insomnia, unfortunately, waking insomnia. So, um, I I've worked on it a lot, um, and um, some things help, you know really optimizing my sleep environment, cool bedroom. Um, but I need to be in bed for a, a good nine, nine and a half hours a night to get seven, seven and a half hours of sleep. Um, so that's non-negotiable for me, um, is getting, getting that sleep, getting that time, um, in bed and definitely super important. Um, next would probably be just time with, with, uh, the people I care about time with my wife, um, time to connect with her, to connect with, um, you know, my family, my, my friends, 
Um, that's super important and, and, you know, helps keep me grounded and help keeps me sane. Um, and then, you know, I, I try to have small things throughout the day that help keep me, um, away from technology. Um, you know, we spend our lives on here, which is great in a lot of ways. We get to have this conversation. Um, you know, I get to work from home, which I'm very gracious and fortunate about, um, get to have, you know, a high paying job at a technology company, which is awesome. Um, but it's also good to try to get away from those things sometimes. Um, so for me, that's, um, you know, it can be a different form of exercise for everyone, for, but for me, it's going to the gym, uh, a certain number of days per week, usually five days. Um, it's, it's going on long walks outside, um, in nature, in, in the park we have nearby in New York, where I live. Um, it's reading a book. I, I always read hardcover books. Um, and then, uh, once a day I'll, I'll do, uh, a guided meditation, um, which is a habit I've had for, um, now since I was 14 years old. So more time than more than half the time I've been alive, I've been meditating. 14 years old. That is impressive, my man. Yeah. Wow. For a 14 year old to implement that. (laughs) It's super impressive, bro. Yeah. My dad, uh, you needed that when you were getting into all that ruin, the the ruin was there down the line though, right? Rowan was yeah. My dad introduced it to me when I was pretty young. He's been meditating since before the dawn of time, <laughs> and he um, he knows a lot of the people who have like written books on med- meditation, like John Cabot Zinn and all these people. Um, and so, yeah, he was a really good influence on me there. Awesome, man. I guess just to kind of wrap this up, then, my man, I'd like to talk on that just real quick. The meditation. How much value is that added to your life, bro? I find that super fascinating because I do it before bed. But yeah. I, I've got to be honest, if there's one habit, I journal regular. I do. I tick all the boxes. Nature is a big one for me. I'm glad you said yeah. that because that's so – people overlook that. You know, we're stuck inside yeah. an office all day. We're inside artificial lights. You know what I mean? Nature yeah. is the one. Like, it's so important for your soul. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, meditation. I do it just before bed. Uh, it's not something that I do. Uh, I literally do the bare minimum. So, But I know because I did it for four months consistently, and I was super – I was doing it like 10, 20 minutes every single – and it's and I always say this to my audience, to my clients, is when you stop doing things, right, Scott? That's the interesting thing. It's like, uh, fortunately for me, I get good sleep. But I'm not trying to rub it in, bro. I feel sorry for you, man. I was, I, I felt <laughs> like I literally, I felt like pain shoot from my body. Then when you said insomnia, I was like, man, yeah, like, that's such you. a horrible thing to deal with, man. But uh, like for me, you know, I've got everything dialed and stuff like that. Uh, but the, the you know, the the meditation. Sorry, what I was gonna say? I was gonna say with my audience and my clients, I'll tell them, you know, it's when you stop doing these things, that's when you notice you start getting the negative benefits. So when I was uh, meditating for four months, I noticed when I stopped doing it. I was just less present when I was in conversations and things would pop up and it would like trigger me or I would feel like a stress response. And boy, and I've noticed then when I went back to it, I just feel like I'm more present and I can just deal with stress better. I can deal with the clutter in my brain better by just taking a few deep breaths. You know what I mean? I think it's a magical thing, but it's so hard to do. And I would say 90 to 95% of people need to do more of it, you know? Yeah, I think... Um... I think it's one of those things where you have to find a version of it that works for you. Um, mm. There's some people who despise it and they think, and I think part of the reason they despise it is because they think they're doing it wrong or they think they're bad at it. But really, um, you know, if you notice a lot of thoughts, if you find yourself drifting off, that's actually a good thing. That's, that's the whole point of it. Um, but that's, that's a whole rabbit hole. We can go down. Um, I think, you know, there's some really low, um, really easy ways to be mindful. Like, you could find a song you find relaxing and listen to it a few times with your eyes closed at night. That's meditating. Um, you know, that's, that's a version of, of being mindful. Um, 
and whatever helps get you into that state, I think is fantastic. And so if you're, if you're trying to meditate and it feels like a serious effort for you and you have to like will yourself up to do it every time, I would encourage you to try to find something else, um, either lower the barrier. Or, um, I, I think some of these apps are fantastic. Um, I, I use, I've used all of them, but Currently, I use the Calm app, and I just do the daily Calm. It's like a guided meditation, some body relaxation, some breathing. Sometimes there's a bit of a lesson about a um, different topic, and it's just very calming. It's something I actually look forward to every night. It's just 10 minutes, um, and I just lie down on my couch and close my eyes and listen to it. So, um, yeah, I, it's helped my life so much. Um, really, the biggest thing for me is it helps manage um, the hard times. Um, you know, you, you talk about the daily kind of being present. Um, I think that's definitely part of it, but for me, it's like the resilience, um, when bad things happen, um, and when things don't go your way, you know, when you get hurt, when you hear bad news about a loved one, when you lose your job, all those things, I feel like meditation is an investment, like dollars in the bank (laughs) for Mm -hmm. those situations, um, to kind of be able to emotionally and spiritually handle them better. Yeah, I love that, mate. And it's a, it's a non-negotiable for me before bed now because I notice the interesting thing, you probably noticed this, when I start doing the deep breathing before bed, I start yawning. Give it a few minutes and I start yawning. It's like my nervous system is switching into that, you know, yeah. rest and digest yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's it's non-negotiable, man. Yeah, um, I used to do it for, for almost all the time I've meditated. I did it upon waking up. So the first thing I would do. Um, and that works well, but I've, I've really enjoyed lately doing it before bed. It gets you into that state. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm more consistent doing it this way as well. I started off doing it in the mornings. Um, anyway, man, yeah, just, um, just to kind of wrap things up. Um, I think we covered a lot of ground there, mate, and there was so many knowledge bombs there for the audience and it's great for us to get an insight into kind of who you are as well, man. So thanks for sharing everything. Yeah. Thank um, you. Where, where can the audience find you, my man? <clears throat> yeah. Just, um, if you're interested in checking out the podcast, just look for carnivore cast. Um, wherever you consume podcasts, um, I'm on YouTube now. So I do video podcasts, just started that a few months ago. Um, I'm on, I have a website. Um, you can contact me on Instagram. It's just carnivore casts. I respond to pretty much every message as long as I remember to check the (laughs) spam folder. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for having me on Martin. It's pleasure to speak with you. Um, really enjoyed both our conversations and thanks again for having me. Mate, it was an absolute pleasure, man. I, you've injected some good energy into me, man, which is, uh, which is, you know, it's always a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Having, having a like-minded person to chat to and putting some good information out for the audience. So thanks sure. again, my man. Oh, by the way, for the audience, definitely go and check out the Carnival cast. And as Scott said, yes, obviously we talk a lot about the Carnival diet and everything else and the lifestyle. But the good thing is you get a real deep look into his guests and he has some incredible guests on there, man. So keep up the good work, bro. And I'll send some of the audience over there. Thank you. Thanks, thanks. Martin. Thanks, man.